shouldn't kid ourselves that there's kind of new, gener- you know, there's brand new ideas here. It's just not. It's just a quicker way of, you know, pulling them all together. Welcome to the Ad Tech Heroes podcast. Each episode features an interview with today's leaders in advertising technology. If you're working in ad tech and always wanted to sit down and pick the brains of today's experts, then this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we meet a new ad tech hero. Hello and welcome to the AdTech Heroes podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about audio creativity, and I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Dunlop, who's the founder and CEO of A Million Ads. Hi, Steve. How's it going? Hi, Dal. Good to see you. Amazing. Um, so yeah, really, really excited to talk about audio. We've not really talked about audio um, in, in as much detail uh, up until now. So uh, yeah, really excited about this episode uh, to really delve deep into audio advertising. Um, but before we go into that, it'd be great to uh, learn a little bit more about your career um, and what's brought you to where we are today. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. And um, we actually met as part of my very the very start of my founder journey back in 2015 when I uh, when I founded a million ads. You were one of the first few people I ever pitched this idea to. So thank you for not. Um, for not giving me a face or, or, or telling me it was a bad idea, because here we are today. <laughs> exactly. No, nice I, to, I, I, I remember that at the old Spotify office and uh, having right. a chat. And, and you know, it will go into it in a bit more detail, but it's uh, it just shows how powerful um, you can be with just simple execution, right? Or, or um, you know, working together and partnering up um, and making things simple, um, and especially in the audio space. So, yeah, no, it's it's great to see yeah. what you guys have achieved up until now, and uh, it's what seven. Yeah, yeah well, seven, maybe, maybe seven I'll years. I'll start a little bit before that to to explain um, uh, kind of my background and and, and where that you know before that moment when we met in uh, right. in 2015 on Argyle Street, you know what what actually led up to that. I I grew up in a in a house where the radio was always on. My my dad would be listening to Radio One, and my mum would be listening to I don't know Radio Four or something. And so there's always just noise, always um, uh, kind of audio on around the house, and that absolutely gave me the bug uh, uh, for communicating through sound and through through voice and words, and uh, and and leaving the rest to the imagination. So you know you can paint a picture with words and and let let the brain kind of fill in what what the image is, and that can be very very powerful and I kind of had the bug for that I, I did uh, I was did my local hospital radio as a, as a teenager and I did some university radio and then actually when, it, when I you know when it became time to actually get a job after graduation uh, I went and worked for as a consultant <laughs> doing uh, doing kind of business consultancy stuff but still had this radio bug kind of built into me and so after five or six years I actually quit that job and, and moved to Manchester and became a radio producer and worked for a rock music radio station called XFM at the time um and was the station producer there making adverts and jingles for that radio station. And, you know, the job was to come in on a Monday morning and write some scripts and record voiceover and clip it all together and add some music and sound effects. Uh, and the challenge at XFM, of course, was that was the attitude of the radio station was, was very um, uh, kind of cheeky. You know, it had this, uh, this underdog vibe. And so you had to not only write the scripts and record the voiceover, but, but be funny <laughs> and actually kind of tell a joke uh, in that 30 seconds of, you know, a promo or, a, or an ad or whatever it was that, that you're writing. So very, actually, I found that very hard, you know, very, very challenging thing to do to actually, you know, come up with the concept and, you know, add this kind of attitude and style um, uh, to it. We'll come back to that. I'm sure we'll talk about AI and, and uh, generative AI and synthesized voice and stuff. But, but, but that, that's the human factor, the bit that I was doing there back in, uh, back in the late 2000s. 
Uh, I then um, went to uh, do various other jobs, but but then found myself at Global Radio, which is the UK's largest commercial radio operator, as as head of uh, corporate strategy. And the, the the challenge there was to how to kind of turn this linear broadcast tanker who had who have these amazing brands like Capital and LBC and Classic FM, how to make that business fit for the digital age at the time. Um, Spotify was just emerging, and you know they'd just moved their headquarters from. Stockholm to, to London and uh, Snapchat was just coming out and um, it was all really the start of the kind of the social revolution. And so the question was, how, how do those brands and how does that business stay relevant in that world? And that was the kind of the exam question that I was faced with. And one of the things we did was, was build a way for Global to sell digital audio ad inventory separate to broadcast ad inventory. Previously, the digital services were just simulcasts of the, of the broadcast radio stations. Uh, and then we built this this ad stack. We got some suppliers and various different, um, you know, stitched together various different tools to be able to actually insert uh, ads into the digital services independently of the broadcast services. And that that's then what became DAX. And you might have heard of DAX uh, in yep. both the, the UK and the US markets. At the time, whilst we could use all of these now digital uh, ad serving tools and you could choose, uh, you know, to buy a campaign by audience and you could do frequency capping and you could you know, have all of the kind of the advantages of, um, of a digital ad server versus a broadcast system. We actually were just taking the creative that had just played on 95.8 Capital FM. We were just taking that 30 second spot and sticking it out on the, the iPhone version of the Capital player. Um, and so the creative itself was the same, albeit it might be in a slightly different order and being played to a slightly different audience. And something triggered in my head, like, surely we can do better than this. You know, broadcast is a one-to-many medium. Uh, whereas on digital, it's a one-to-one medium. We, we know each, each device is talking to each other, you know, as if no, no one else is, is there. So you, you're able to customize, personalize, make dynamic those messages. And took me back to um, my time at XFM. We, there, were, there were four different radio stations within the XFM group. And if, let's say we were making a promo. Oasis, play live at the Manchester Arena this weekend. So that'd be one version this weekend. And then on Friday, you'd want to say, Oasis, play live at the Manchester Arena tomorrow. And then on Saturday, you want to play Oasis, play live at the Manchester Arena tonight. So you see you've got that subtle change in the, in the messaging. So there's three versions, but the times four radio stations, because they each had the same sting at the end, that's 12 versions. So in, back, in, back in my day, I had to sit there and make those one by one, you know, one through 12. And you bet by the time you got to version seven, you'd realize that there was a little problem. So you have to go all the way back to the start again and re-record all 12 again. And so combining those two things, the, the versioning thought and this DAX thing emerging, I, literally a little light bulb went off in my head, you know, is, how, how do we put these two things together? And so I, uh, I, I left my role at Global and, and founded A Million Ads in August 2015 and, and sat in my bedroom with a laptop for the first six months, writing a bit of code and, and built the first version of, of that idea. And that's, I think, what I pitched to you at Spotify was, was this kind of slightly ropey uh, script that, that, that played various different versions of an ad based on data about the, about the listener. And, and that's what the, the, the tool is today. It's um, dynamic creative for audio. So if we know where a listener is or what device they're using or how many times they've heard the ad or what the weather's like where they are, or maybe some data from the advertiser, like if Starbucks is one of our clients in the US, we might know if you're a Starbucks cardholder or you have the app installed on your phone. We can take any of those data signals and actually change the voiceover, the music, the sound effects, and build perfect sounding, beautiful audio ads that then get served into digital audio experiences like the Spotify uh, uh, free version or a podcast or 
Pandora, which is a big music streaming service in the US, or Capital Radio on the on the global player or on your Sonos. Uh, wherever there's a, a digital audio advertising experience, we can now personalize and customize and make dynamic uh, that creative. Brilliant. Totally. And I totally agree with you. And you mentioned AI there, right? So, um, you know, from making those physical copies and very manual process, how has AI then developed that? And has AI been around in the audio space since you started 20, in 2015? Um, and yeah, what have you actually, seen? Um, how has that developed? Because we're thinking of AI, when we talk about AI, it's, it's the buzzword of this year, I would say, right? Or, or kind of the sure. last part of um, last year. So, like you said, it's, it's, it might not be necessarily new. So it'd be good to see how you started off by using AI. Did you have to partner up with certain companies and it will build your own tech? Um, and, and then how that's developed over the years. It'd be good to understand. Sure. I think we probably split it into three different things. AI is a very broad term. The first one, as we'd look at it, would be voice synthesis. So the ability for, to, for a computer to read out some text and make it sound like a human voice. The second one would be machine learning tools to uh, provide uh, support, um, help to a user to get their job done quicker. And then the third would be generative AI, where actually ideas, scripts, writing uh, is generated by, uh, by an AI. So I'll, I'll, I'll approach each one yeah. of those individually. Voice synthesis. So, you know, ever since the day, you know, uh, you know BBC Micros back in like 1980s, hello, I am BBC Micro, you know, we've been able, computers have been talking to us. And, and iteratively over time, those voices have got better and better. When I started the business uh, in 2015, um, Amazon's uh, Poly voice, which was the very first um, Echo voice, uh, had just come out. And it was very clearly a computer. You know, it sounded like um, a computer voice. It didn't get intonation right. Uh, it would say names incorrectly. Uh, and I remember saying, you know, people would ask me, you know, is voice synthesis going to change your business? And I'd say, yeah, probably in the next one to two years, these voices are going to get much better. And I'd been saying that really until the beginning of this year. In fact, it was, it was November last year. I was still saying these voices are good, but they're not good enough. Uh, and then uh, Eleven Labs came out with their new voices, which now have been, you know, the models that they use and, and, and the, the techniques that they've used have now been copied by everyone. So everyone's voices are now really good. And they did three things. The first thing was um, increased the audio quality. A lot of the models for voice synthesis were trained on hours and hours and hours of speech. Uh, and often that meant it was just for pure file size. It meant that the quality of the audio wasn't very good. It was quite hissy or quite compressed. Or, you know, sometimes when you listen to a podcast that's been recorded over a Zoom call or something, and it, you can just hear that it's, that it's not um, a full dynamic range. That's now changed. Second thing is they added breaths. So actually, as, as these uh, languages, they, they, these um, uh, uh, synthesizers are reading out sentences, they're now adding breaths and pauses and, and sibilants that, that your mouth, a normal person's mouth would do as they're speaking. So that just really tricks our brain into thinking that, that this is a real voice. And the third thing they did was run every sentence, every paragraph that we write into these, into these synthesizers, they run them through a large language model to get an intent, to get, to get a meaning and understanding. So that their first go at reading is already going to have a good shot at what is the emotional um, uh, kind of component of the sentence that I'm trying to read. So when you combine all those things together, the voices that you get today are really good. And then the other side of voice synthesis is the training. Um, and now the amount of audio that's needed to train the next voice um, has, has vastly reduced. There's, there's 
if you, again, if you want low quality, you can do it in, in like 30 seconds. Um, if you want a good, you know, if you're Samuel L. Jackson and you want to use his, his synthesized voice, he will have sat there and trained an AI model for hours, reading very special sentences and all the rest of it. Um, and that will be perfect. But you can get kind of quick and dirty voice models now out of like 30 seconds of example audio. And all of that's down to compute power. All of that's down to, you know, GPUs and, and you know, which is now the kind of the, the only real limitation to, to the speed of growth of AI is compute. So that's number one is voice synthesis. And today uh, we still use mainly human voice actors. So we still, when we're, when we're writing a script or we're recording for, a, for an advertiser, we, we put a human into a booth and put a nice microphone in front of them and record the lines as we've written them and record all of the different variants. So, you know, nice sunny day today, nice rainy day today. Not, oh, oh, it's snowy today. Oh, it's cloudy today. You know, record all of those variants, just the shortest clip that you need to be able to then permute all those variations to make, you know, a million versions of the ad as our, as our company name goes. Um, but we have started to use voice synthesis. We've now probably done five or six campaigns out of the 3,000 that we've done that uses some component of voice synthesis, but that's only going to grow. And that's very exciting, you know, because it gives you flexibility. Uh, it means that, you know, we're, we're making millions of versions of an ad with a human voice actor, but when there's AI involved and voice synthesis involved, actually the, the, human is, the, the list that a human is going to read is no longer finite. It can potentially be infinite. So you could do things like, uh, every stock in the stock market and every price that they might be at. You know, that's a very long list if you were to read all of the different permutations out ahead of time. So you'd, you'd want voice synthesis to do that kind of thing for you. The, there's, a, there's a slight misnomer in, in the industry that, that voice synthesis will, will mean that there's no need for voice actors anymore. And I think in, for the kind of brands that we work for, you know, we work for Fortune 500, you know, top end of the market, Walmart, Starbucks, Google, Target, uh, Sky, you know, all, all our clients, they are not sitting there going, oh, if only I could save the cost of a voiceover. They're, in fact, they're going, I want Idris Elba to be my voiceover and I want him in vision. I want, you know, I want his association. So actually voice synthesis doesn't really solve a problem for those kind of advertisers. And it doesn't really save any money, you know, because, because the voice actor cost relative to the overall campaign cost is very small. But for long tail advertisers, where the cost of creative is actually a barrier to entry to starting audio advertising, Voice synthesis is very exciting there. So there's a couple of products out on the market. Spotify have been talking about, you know, an extension to their ad studio product and so on. So I, I'm excited to see how that end of the market develops. Amazing. So that was chapter one, voice synthesis. Chapter two of machine learning is using machine learning tools. Um, and we've actually had uh, some ML models in our, in our tool since maybe, you know, 2020, long before OpenAI and ChatGPT emerged on the scene. Um, which actually help creative. So we've had a transcription tool that automatically matches audio to, to lines in the script. Um, we've had an auto expand tool where you say, I want to use locations and it says which country and it just goes blink and will you know, populate 50 cities. Uh, so you don't have to type all that stuff yourself. And what's the third tool we've got? Oh yeah, um, just auto matching of, uh, of lines. So just, just being able to provide little helpers to our users so that when they're using our tool to build dynamic ads, it's as, it's as nice an experience as possible. Kind of like, you know, it looks like you're writing a, a letter, you know, Mr. Clippy in, in Word, you know, just using the computer you know, for repetitive tasks and for things that computers understand. So we've been doing that for a long time. Um, and, and that's only going to extend, again, as models get faster and cheaper and bigger. So then number three is then generative AI. We have in-house script writers um, and audio producers who are writing scripts to advertise briefs every day. And now what we are using generative AI in that workflow to really get us from you know, there's that moment when someone says, oh, have you got any ideas about, I don't know, a new pizza delivery service? 
and, and your brain just goes, um, where to start? And you have this kind of blank sheet of paper syndrome. And, and it's almost like a, um, a leap. You have to kind of somehow start something, you know, you need something, a dot on the paper just to start you thinking. That's where generative AI, then AI today is incredibly helpful. You literally just type pizza delivery service and up will come 10 ideas. And sure, there'll, there'll be ideas that have been scraped from every other idea that people have had. You know, there's no new idea here. It's they're just combining and, um, and, and, and kind of concatenating other sources on the internet that have had ideas about pizza delivery. So we shouldn't kid ourselves that there's kind of new general, you know, there's brand new ideas here. It's just not, it's just a quicker way of, you know, pulling them all together, but it gets you over that blank sheet of paper problem. So rather than sitting there for an hour, scratching your chin going, oh, what should we do here? You, it, within five minutes, you've got five seconds, you've got something to react to. And then that actually gets you to better ideas for clients faster. So we'd, we, we've, we've been using that since whenever ChatGPT came out, which is end of last year, early this year. And, and, and our, you know, our teams are really seeing benefits. It, it's, um, you know, getting them to, to ideas. And then actually, because you then have what you want is more time later down the funnel to perfect and to perform and add all the data and really think hard about you know, the, the voiceover and the music and all that stuff. So that it just gets you, gets you there quicker. So it's really advantageous. Over time, is it going to, is, is the, the component, you know, imagine a sliding scale. On the left-hand side, you've got a piece of creator that's entirely AI generated. And on the right-hand side, you've got a piece of creator that's entirely human generated. I think at the moment, imagine we, we're going a little bit towards the left. So we're adding a little bit of AI in there. Over time, that slider might go more towards AI. I think, again, as I said before about our clients and the kind of demands that they have and what they expect from creative, it's never going to go all the way. There's always going to be intelligent, smart, creative, funny people in that mix to actually really add color, flavor. So, so I, you know, I, 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 we watch this space. I think it will continue to, to evolve. My worry is that, you know, there are competitors to us emerging who are 100% AI. And unfortunately, I just, I just don't think that their product today is it sounds good enough but you know our, our brains can detect that it's a robot voice and you know it has this kind of uncanny valley of um uh of not feeling very natural but again i'm sure that will that will get better over time yeah i think i think what a long answer to a no 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 question. i think it was great <laughs> i think it was great because you summarized how ai has been used in the in those three different ways and um, we might not look at it or, or spit it out in that way right because we get a lot of people just get scared of the word AI and what it involves or what it could involve. Yeah. But I think you've, you, or, or, or it's, or, you know, AI it. has just been converged with ChatGPT. So when you say yeah. AI, everyone's just thinking about ChatGPT, but actually it's a, it's a much broader topic. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a great summary in terms of the role AI has played. Um, but it, I, I suppose um, just touching on your points that it is still important, right, to have that human element and that, human touch when it comes to whether it's the copy or um, even kind of processing the data, you still need those kind of people, people kind of managing and, and checking through things. Do you, do you feel that will also change as the AI becomes more sophisticated and uh, the voiceovers become more human-like? Or do you still feel there'll always be an element of needing uh, a human uh, involved? I think from the perspective of the brands we work with, they know, they know what they want to say. You know, Nike isn't going to change, just do it because an AI told them that they should say, we've got the best sneakers. You know, they, they, they know what they want to say. So, so the, uh, where, where then in the gaps in, in the delivery from the idea at the, I guess at the top of the, 
funnel through to the delivery of a creative to each individual at the bottom. Sure, there are plenty of places along that supply chain, if you like, where AI could support and assist. And I think today we're just learning, you know, where, where they could be. I, I think currently probably the most activity in advertising around AI is around um, audience selection and, 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 and delivery. So it's kind of right at the bottom of that funnel. But as I say, I, th I think there'll be points all the way along the supply chain where I think AI can, can help and, and, and will grow its role over time. Again, brand by brand, they, whether they want that or not. Uh, you know, I, th I think we are constantly asked about quality, constantly asked about performance, constantly asked about, you know, how can we make sure this is going to do what, what you say it does? And no one's ready to go, don't worry, the computer said it's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, so we still have lots of QA. And we still have people listening to all of our adverts and all of that kind of stuff. So, so there's still plenty of room for humans. In terms of audio advertising, how important is it today uh, for brands and you know how is it being used in the media mix um, I'm kind of going back to my audio days kind of seven eight years ago and it was just kind of starting off you started talking to planners there wasn't really a an audio team so it would go to the programmatic team or the um, like the digital display team or, or the video team so every agency yeah. I think worked differently and I'm guessing it's probably still the same but yeah how 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 is it how have you seen it um, um, kind of play out now and uh, and what role does it play for, for, for these agencies and for the brands? So it, it, very similar in that every agency slightly tackles it differently, but now at least those teams are, are very much embedded and, 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 you know, business as usual rather than emerging as they were um, back in our day, Dal. Yeah. Um, and audio uh, plays a really interesting part in a, in a, in a media mix um, because it provides a couple of things that, that other channels can't. Um, the first is you can be listening to something whilst you're doing something else. So radio historically has, has very, played very strong being on in the car or being on, on the kitchen counter while you're having your breakfast or doing your ironing or getting ready for work. Uh, and now that, now that we've all migrated to earbuds and, um, and, um, you know, um, AirPods and all, all of those kind of things, audio can now be with us, you know, through, through many moments in our lives when, when other advertising can't reach us. So sitting on a train or commuting or uh, walking to work or, you know, um, going for a run, all of these places where otherwise, you know, other mediums are quite hard to reach. And then now that we're in headphones, actually, this, there's an incredibly intimate connection between, you know, effectively, you've got someone speaking direct into your brain. There's, you can't hear two things at once. So um, audio advertising is very clear. You know, it's not like display ads where there might be 50 ads on a page. And if you scroll and one will pop up and, you know, there's expanding ones and closing. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that's kind of, you know, gives you ad overload in audio it's a very clean environment and you know because it's direct into your brain the messaging tends to stick better so um so performance of uh, of audio ads is very strong plus then we've had this incredible emergence of of a whole load of voice content which is called podcasting which you know the the, the radio head in me i used to make the, the the podcast for the breakfast show back in 2007 um for, for xfm manchester so podcasting has been in my life for a long time, but really it, it, it only really entered everyone else's lives at, at, at when Serial came out, if you remember. And I think that was 2015, 16, maybe. Yeah. We call it pre-Serial and post-Serial in the podcasting land. But that really put podcasting on the front page of the Financial Times once a week. And then obviously huge investments from, from all the media groups, but Spotify in particular, spending billions of dollars on both production houses, ad tech around podcasting, uh, content rights, uh, you know, signing up celebs and so on. And that's really put, um, podcasting on the map and 
created effectively a new advertising format, which is, which in radio, we called it the live read, but in, uh, in podcasting, it's called the host, the host read. And it's incredibly effective because, you know, if you're listening to a host that, you know, again, they're in, they're in your ear once a day or once a week or once a month. And you feel like, you know, the host, because they're telling you about all the whys and wherefores. And so when they start talking about Casper mattresses or blue apron or, or, uh, um, Squarespace. You know, you feel it, it, it sticks, it pays attention. So podcast advertising is, is, is very effective. The challenge is it's very small. So if you're one of our biggest clients is Target, for example, yeah. if you're the CMO of Target, you know, your budget is in, is in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Spending anything like, you know, even $5 million in podcasting is quite hard to do um, because it's still very small and very niche. It's growing, it's growing fast, but, but that's, you know, the, the, What's great about podcasting is it vastly over-indexes in terms of attention and effectiveness for actually the amount of money that's being spent on it at the moment. But those two things will, will rectify. If you remember in the early days of mobile, there was one of these Mary Mika charts that showed amount of time we're spending with mobile versus the share of advertising budget that's gone to mobile. And now actually fast forward, what, 15 years? It was the year of the mobile for like yeah. five years, wasn't it? Now you fast forward now and it's the year of audio or connected TV or whatever. But there's this disparity here in audio, which is amount of attention and time we're spending with audio versus share of advertising budget. And so that will, that will grow and increase over time. And, and, and as has been shown, when all new mediums emerge, those two things tend to equal out over time. So there's loads of growth in audio, very exciting space. We actually spend most of our time, most of our dynamic ads get served into music streaming services or into um, internet radio services and podcasting. You know, I, I'd call it, we're, we're still coming out, you know, we're in this kind of tricky we're in the teenage years, if you like, of podcasting from, um, uh, you know, just having baked in host read ads where literally the, you know, the person is telling their story about a true crime murder and then they pick up a piece of paper and start talking about Squarespace. You know, that was kind of the old way of doing it. Now they finish talking about t t true crime, insert a marker mm -hmm. and a, an ad will be inserted. But, but that ad often is host read uh, or is a kind of one, one shot version. And then the, the transition into kind of, you know, adulthood of, of podcast advertising will be the, the full gamut of ad tech that we expect in every other channel now will, will become available in podcasting as well. And that will include services like ours, like dynamic creative, personalization, proper measurement and attribution, um, you know, proper onward journey management. And then things we'll talk about, I think, later in the conversation, like um, being able to interact and respond to, mm -hmm. um, to the ad. So all of that's coming. I mean, some people are doing it already, you know, it, 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 the timeline is never, is, you know, not everyone does everything all at once. So there's still people doing baked in host reads, but there's now people doing dynamic creative. Um, uh, so, so, you know, and, and then everyone will kind of shift up the S curve, um, you know, the adoption curve at the time. And then the f final point about audio is, is it's, um, we, you know, we talked about it being a kind of quite a safe environment, kind of fraud free. You can't hear more than one thing once, so you can't stack ads. Um, but it's also very brand safe or mainly a brand safe environment. And, um, what we mean by that is that the content of the podcast or the content of the music that you're listening to, uh, tends to be brand safe, yeah. um, or at least easily categorizable so that you can make it brand safe. Um, and within podcasting, a couple of players are emerging that, that sounder and barometer and, um, and others uh, can detect the, the, like they, they will, they will transcribe this podcast. They'll, they will be listening to the, our words and AI will be transcribing our words and they'll be saying, oh, it's a podcast about ad tech. And then an advertiser could choose to insert their ad into the ad tech podcast. And then if this was a monetized podcast, then, then that ad might get inserted into this content. But if we started talking about current affairs, or if we started to talk about alcohol or gambling or other things, I've now probably messed up this podcast's <laughs> um, SEO by even saying those words. 
then brands and advertisers might choose not to advertise against those topics. Um, and, and that's, again, that's an emerging um, uh, field within, within podcast content. I mean, music, it's pretty safe because, because you know, music it has explicit lyrics or it doesn't, but most advertisers feel comfortable in that environment. In podcasting, it, you know, there's the whole gamut of content. So, so now having brand safety around that is, is emerging and, uh, and, and um, creating, again, more, more spaces for, for brands to spend you know, and feeling safer to spend more money. And have you seen certain verticals or certain types of brands invest or lean in more with audio advertising versus others? Are there some sectors that you can well, think of that are completely just like, no, we don't want to do audio advertising. We'll stick to, you know, your Googles or your your Metas or your um, open web um, display and video. Yeah. yeah, it'd be great to understand. So I think it's, a, it's it's helpful to think of uh, of audio advertising slightly in two categories. It, it, it where where most of the money in audio in digital audio advertising today is in music streaming and and uh, internet radio, and most of that publishers are going after old radio money okay so where it's worked well for radio they're now trying to make that work well for uh, digital streaming as well so um uh brand uh, car brands uh quick service retail uh, fmcg brands and so on um being traditional radio spenders are now finding value and and, and um a benefit of, of migrating to, to digital audio as well in podcasting where it's kind of a brand new world or was a brand new world you know the the early adopters were all the kind of D to C guys, so it was the Casper mattresses and the 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 um you know Blue Aprons and mm. and Squarespace and so on, which which were the kind of direct to consumer, uh, and found podcasting a very because because they're in their kind of makeup of the brand, they wanted to have this personal relationship as part of the brand relationship. So actually using a podcaster as almost like an influencer to yeah. connect those two things together was very successful for them. Again, I think that's version one of podcast advertising for podcast advertising to properly scale. We need to actually pull those two things together so that. You know, the Home Depot, who's advertising on streaming, can feel very comfortable also advertising within a podcasting environment. And actually, maybe using a tool like ours, the creative can be different because if you're in a music streaming service, you probably want to have a little bit of music under your voice. You may want to have a slightly faster paced voice, maybe a slightly higher energy read. In a podcasting environment, if you've just come from a true crime episode or you've just come from a, I don't know, I, I just was listening to one this morning about, you know, tech and business news. Maybe you want it to be a dry voice, which, you know, so you don't have any music or very different type or slower type music. So actually, you know, using, using a kind of context aware creative delivery means that the same brand can be getting their messages across, but, but doing it in a way that, that fits within the environment that it's being listened to. That's really interesting. Um, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about contextual, uh, especially with CTAG being a, a contextual yep. advertising platform and you know, we all talk about the death of the cookie, um, but I never thought of like a voiceover could also be contextual, right? Like you mentioned for certain genres, the voice that is yeah. serving the ad needs to be contextually relevant. And, and that's super interesting. For sure. And, and not just to, the, to its environment. So you could think about speed of read, like mm -hmm. energy in the voice. You know, you could have a voiceover up like this or yeah. you can have a voiceover down like this. And, and that, that could be changed, but also gender of voice, accent. We've done campaigns I'm not going to remember who the client is now, but we did a campaign in the UK where we had eight different regional accents. So we had wow. a Scottish accent, a Yorkshire accent, a Welsh accent, and so on. And then depending on where the listener was, we played the accent that we thought would be most um, appealing to them, you know, most familiar. Uh, we've also done, obviously, languages, you know, it's obvious one. So we've done campaigns across, you know, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, and had different um, languages. And then actually there was a research study that was done a while ago now that said, that just simply tested the same messaging 
uh, but with a female voice to a female listener, a male voice to a male listener, mm-hmm. and then switch over. And which one uh, was more indexed better on 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 the the test that they were doing? Uh, and it turns out that that according to that test, late uh, female listeners preferred hearing a female voiceover, and male listeners preferred hearing a male voiceover. So actually, you could imagine that based on the listener themselves, we're changing characteristics of the of the ad itself. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, super interesting. Um, we, whenever we talk th- think of um, audio advertising, we think of branding and uh, more upper funnel kind of KPIs being yeah. being hit. Um, you mentioned attention, you know, uh, listen through rates. We talk about and, and these types of things. Um, but have you seen audio also used for more performance led campaigns? Yeah, for sure. And more and more, it's being used for that. Actually, the the most um, some of the most recent campaigns that we've started are now. Uh, in in the performance range, we have a specific product that we call Audio Circular that's targeted at retailers. Um, that's talking about this week's deals and offers. You're going to go into store today to get two for one on, you know, Diet Cokes or or half off on something. And you know, and sometimes even with an offer code or with a with a um, you know, a call to action to to recoup the voucher or the the offer. So that is definitely bottom funnel. You know, store driving, um, footfall driving. Um, and then if it's if it's depending on the brand, if it's like go to download the app or go to the website or you know actually driving outcomes. And then you know we, we we're kind of familiar with this in in a podcast landscape as well, where where you hear you know the host say you know and to get ten percent off, enter this American Life at the checkout. You know that that is a, that is a performance campaign. There's no there's no two ways about it. That is driving sales, downloads, or you know whatever the um, uh, the objective is for the campaign. So no audio is absolutely moving into. I, I think you know the the kind of old reputation of it being a branding um, uh, medium is still true, you know, and, and still excellent as a branding medium. And again, it, that's back to the kind of creative and the theater of the mind. And, you know, you, if you want to get people excited about the new BMW, you know, you can just talk about it and, and have some lovely sounds. And then in my mind, I'm imagining this incredible car. I don't need to send my crew to, you know, some switchback road in Switzerland to film this thing driving. I can just make the sounds. And so, you know, so it's a very effective way for doing doing branding because our brain fills in, fills in the gaps. But actually, it's also very effective for performance as well. One, one of the other products that we've, um, we've uh, worked on for car, you know, autos, um, is to have, uh, we have a, a, a way of knowing how many times each listener has heard the ad. So we can do what we call sequential messaging, where you hear a different version of the ad based on how many times you've heard it. So impression number one for this car company, you hear a branding message. It's got wonderful electric windows and drives like a dream. And oh my goodness, it looks great when it's wishing down the road. Message number two, and actually you can buy it from a dealer near you. Uh, they're just around the corner and we do a location-based um, uh, call out. And then message number three, and there's a deal on this weekend. And if you turn up and say, you know, two for one, we'll give you 2,000 pounds up front for your you know, leasing arrangement. So actually in each of those, for the same campaign, you're covering off three different, you know, bases really. And that's worked quite well for, uh, for, for, cause, cause you, you know, you need to, you almost need to land the branding message before any kind of like promotional message is even going to make sense. Yeah. I think, I think uh, just touching on your point of, of, of audio is a great way to tap into the imagination of, of the, uh, of the end user, which I think uh, with a video asset or a display asset, you're just confined to seeing exactly what you're looking at, right? And and, and taking that in, taking that information in. But yeah, with audio, it's a lot more immersive. It's a lot more 
uh, imagination involved. So I think that's really powerful. Um, have you got any examples? Yeah, and the fact that your brain's had to work yeah. might, might kind of makes you remember it yeah. more as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's another great point. And do, do you have any examples of where you've seen brands really utilize this creativity part when it comes to um, the audio, um, yeah, the audio copy that they deliver? Yeah, we've done um, we've done dynamic songs. We did a, a campaign for a, a match brand, Zip uh, Zip Lighters or something, and, and um, the, we we got a guy with a guitar to sing a song, and then various different lines in the in the script based on the weather of the the listener would change, or based on the you know the time of day or whatever. Uh, so dynamic songs, we've done dynamic rap, <laughs> where you know you've got some beat going on in the background, and then um, uh, rap some lines over the top. We did one uh, for Virgin Atlantic uh, a while ago where um, uh, we basically told the listener what we knew about them. So we knew, we said, we know that you're in London. We know that it's raining. We know that it's a Wednesday and we know that it's just about lunchtime. Um, isn't this a smart advert? But not as smart as the Virgin Atlantic deal. That was the kind of, the, you know, the, 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 the setup. And, and people tweeted Virgin Atlantic saying, this is the freakiest thing I've ever heard. Oh my goodness, how, how come you know this? I've just thrown my computer out the window. That's so weird. So we were really treading the line between kind of, uh, you know, freaking people out. And the feedback we got from the client was, we've never had that much feedback about a campaign. It's amazing that people are finally interacting. By the way, some of the feedback was, this is incredibly clever. This is great. This is the future of advertising. Mm -hmm. um, so actually it was, you know, it, it was quite fun to, you know, they, they, they wanted to do that. They wanted to, to you know, tread that fine line and, and, uh, and get, that, get that reaction from people. One of the ones we've done recently uh, is with Booking.com in the US, and this campaign uh, is mainly location-based, but also time-based. So talking about uh, booking a holiday on a Monday morning or talking about booking a holiday on a Friday night. So you, you're in different kind of mindsets or different moods at those different times. So your relationship with you know getting onto Booking.com and, and booking a holiday is different. So we did that setup based on time first, and then based on your location, which suggest um, what you might want to do. So uh, travelers in America, particularly at the moment, are, are traveling less internationally. They're traveling less far. So if you were in Boston, we'd recommend, you know, weekend break to New York. If you're in LA, we'd recommend uh, a mountain escape uh, up in the California mountains. So, you know, stuff within like a one or two hour drive or flight or whatever. So really specific hitting booking.com's, um, uh, you know, campaign objectives. Um, and then it had a, um, an offer message that was date bound as well. So if you were within a certain time, you'd hear the offer message, but after a certain period of time, the offer changed. So that had, um, there were one and a half, maybe 2000 possible permutations of that ad. And that served across, um, Spotify and iHeart over the summer. And possibly we can insert that in now, if we can be good to maybe play that so you can hear what that sounds like. If you're thinking about swapping your TV for an incredible view this evening, remember, booking is half the fun on Booking.com. Find amazing travel destinations just a few clicks away, like a high-rise hotel in New York City. Vacation at unforgettable properties when you book your next trip on Booking.com and discover tons of places to stay, from hotels and B&Bs to cabins and vacation rentals. Click here to find your perfect stay. Booking.com. Booking. Yeah. What, what's next for audio advertising, in your opinion, Steve? So I think a couple of things we've touched on already. We talked about AI a lot, so we won't, won't go over that again. But but actually, um, audio just being more pervasive in our lives. The, the, the AirPods is a really interesting development because um, you just see people with them in all the time. 
there's a, there's a guy who works in our office who sits at the desk and you go, you know, you know, he'll chat to you, but his AirPods are in all the time. So just more and more of his life. And actually I see more and more people doing this is connected with audio. Um, and I don't know what he's listening to, but he could be listening to a Spotify stream that we can insert an ad into, or he could be listening to a podcast that, that has a host read, or there could be some new format that knows if you're wearing an AirPod and then inserts an ad dynamically based on your situation or your context. Um, so just kind of more wearable audio, um, and audio that then is much more kind of context aware to you. So rather than, you know, when you walk into a store and there's some music playing, um, why doesn't that? service know who's in the store so i think that somehow connecting our, our exposure to audio and then uh, you know what that who is it that's listening and, and how and then being able to monetize that so just kind of more pervasive audio and then the other uh thing i think we'll see a lot more of um is being is, is different ways of interacting with the audio so be that um we did a campaign a year or so ago with baraka as the client um and a and a um, an Amazon skills vendor called um, Say It Now. And you heard an ad that was a dynamic ad and it was a nice piece of creative. But at the end, it said, if you want to add Barocca, you say, Alexa, add Barocca to my shopping cart. And so there was this onward journey to actually now to go to a point of purchase from that exposure to the, to the audio. Uh, I think that will happen a lot more. And actually Amazon, I think just a couple of days ago, announced that, that they're building a, um, an interactive audio format in, into their default ad delivery, at least in the US, and I'm sure it'll roll out across other parts of the world. So I think we'll find more and more ways of interacting with audio beyond just like tapping the screen or clicking the banner or, you know, these kind of slightly old school um, ways of interacting. I think voice feels like a natural, um, a natural kind of human interaction with, with audio, um, you know, talking back to the, to the ad that you just heard. So I think we'll see more of that. Um, we always finish off our podcast episode uh, with this question, so I'd love to hear your take on it. Um, if you had a superpower in ad tech, what would it be? In ad tech in general, it's very easy to forget that actually the people receiving these ads, watching them, listening to them, uh, reading them, consuming them, it, it, are just humans. It's just you and me. You know, it's just yeah. us and our mates and real people. And I think sometimes with all the data and the segmentation and the targeting and the we kind of forget that actually there's just a person at the end um, uh, of that. And, and uh, certainly w when I was kind of building a million ads, I, you know, I was very much focusing on, on what the kind of listener experience would be. And I think if my, so if I had a superpower, it would be a, it'd be a way of understanding each individual to be able to give them the best advertising experience. Cause you know, when we play an ad, we hope, we hope because we're professionals and we've been doing it for a while and we do a lot of research and measurement, but it's still a hope yeah. that the person listening to it pays attention, enjoys it, doesn't get irritated, but that's a hope. We don't know that. So my superpower would be being able to get into everybody's brain and going, how was this ad for you? And by the way, and the, and the, the quid pro quo, the, what we'd get back, from, you know, if you didn't like it, we'd, we would do a better job so that the next time it would be a better ad and it would be more appropriate and more useful for you and more relevant to your life that sounds really scary doesn't it being being inside people's brains but it's simply just to make sure that you have a better advertising because at the end of the day if you want free spotify you're going to have yeah. to listen to adverts if you want you know a free internet you're going to have to look at ads on the you know that's so that's that's already that's there's already that value exchange there but let's at least make the experience that you do get with advertising as best as it amazing amazing answer 
Um, I think that's all we've got in uh, in time for uh, today's episode. Yeah, I was going to say I was. I thought you would like literally just open the the shirt. Then there's a a Superman (laughs) T-shirt underneath. Superman, (laughs) and you just fly away. Yeah. Um, But no, that's that's been great. It's been great speaking to you, Steve. Uh, Thank you for your time. Pleasure. Great to chat. Thanks, Dal. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Ad Tech Heroes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. To see all the show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, head over to adtechheroespodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by SeedTag, the world's leading contextual advertising company. Contextual intelligence allows you to engage with consumers within their universe of interest on a cookie-free basis. By delivering ads into content, we capture users' attention faster and retain it longer. Learn more and reach out to us at seedtag.com.